Welcome to the John Tavo Show. I am your host, John Meisberg. And today we have in the studio uh, professional coach Nathan Ashby. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Nathan has been on the show before when it was just in audio form over a year ago. Isn't that right? Just about, yeah. What were we talking about? Oh, God, I don't remember. Life. Change. We were talking about change. Uh-huh. The importance of change and adaptability, which I applied pretty well to where I am now. I feel like I need to go back and listen to that podcast. <laughs> Me too. It's been a while. <laughs> that's, the, that's the beauty of, of recording these things, though, is like you capture a moment in your life where mm. something was going on and like and like really externalize some really helpful information that you can revisit you know like a photograph yeah or journal same kind of thing i have a problem looking at my journal entries though like i don't know i I feel like once i've written something down it's gone i don't i i i I don't know why maybe because it's i i need to i would need like a a useful system to like know like this page represents something i don't know well the problem with journaling as well is you have to be on top of it to be effective yeah. So, and with a guy that's got a show named John Tobovit, <laughs> not very likely that I am. <laughs> yeah, <that's> his life. <laughs> um, so we're here to talk about um, the concept of needing uh, professional coaching in your life, how it can be beneficial, mm-hmm. and talking about how practicing self care can really uh, make a difference and just getting through a lot of the issues that we're all experiencing right yeah the the dumpster fire that is 2020 has pushed us all into a completely new space and to be honest not a bad one there's a lot going on in the world there's a lot going on in the u.s but there's a lot of change and how you react to that change will determine how things are for you are are we talking about how this is like uh, glass half full, glass half empty, kind of menta- like how you see 2020. Because I, I see 2020 as a dumpster fire. <laughs> it is a dumpster fire, 100. <laughs> percent But are you saying like you could see it as like this is there's trash in that dumpster that needs to burn, and your health? It's like it's a good thing. You can see it in an optimistic way, or what? It's like a forest fire, right? The in the natural world, forests have to burn to continue the life cycle. We're just going through that in a much grander scale right now. Mm-hmm. Um, change is important. And if you're feeling uncomfortable, you should probably look into why you're feeling uncomfortable. Because there's something in there for you to learn and apply to your life. Yes. Um, yeah. So, Nathan's company is called Around From Within, and he's located in Seattle, although he reaches out to clients throughout the entire world. So, he, you know, it's 2020, and location is kind of irrelevant now. If you're on the moon, he can help you. <laughs> now, Nathan, where did you come up with the name Around From Within? What does that mean? It actually came to me a few years ago uh, while I was traveling. Um, it's a book title I've had for a, for a good long time. And it's about the journey of life that, in the end, it has to come from within. A lot of mm. external factors around you can change your life, but only you can really do it. We are the masters of our own realm, and how we live and how we react to things really determine where we go. Okay. So I understand the part that says from within, but what does the around part mean? The around is the journey. Meeting people... Going around the world, obviously, which is a little limited right now, but yeah. perspective is key, right? One of the reasons why, they, in the U.S. specifically, why we're in such a 
bad place is we don't have pers- people don't have perspective their idea of travel is to stay within the u.s or canada or mexico or somewhere they don't go to europe they don't go to asia they don't go to other continents to really see how other people live in the world and when we have the experience of how other people live and the struggles they go through it gives us a lot of perspective on our own lives and the struggles we go through Mm -hmm. yeah and is that something that you've experienced personally oh very much so yeah i've I've been lucky. I've done a lot of traveling in my life. I worked on cruise ships a couple of years as a photographer and videographer. So I got to literally travel the globe a couple of times over. And through that experience, it really gave me a lot of perspective on other people's struggles. And it gave me a lot of confidence in my own life that even though I'm going through hard things, there's still ways to move forward. Yeah. So I'm all tangled down here. I'm, I wish that I could space travel i feel like i do a lot of growing up out up in outer space that's okay <laughs> i mean if you think about it there's plenty of time to meditate up there there is meditation <laughs> is important can you you know you have those um what do they call those uh, sensory deprivation tanks like, oh yeah being in outer space it's probably very similar yeah those are weird those are very strange but it is just a form of another meditation you got to experience i did yeah you got me a gift <laughs> one actually it was very strange just lying there just floating and like What's meant to be happening? And you start seeing some weird visuals like, uh, this is, this is weird. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange what happens when you cut off your senses. It is. It's very strange. Yeah. Um, okay, so one of the things that I wanted to get, just get out of the way is you're not a life coach. I'm you're not a life coach. a professional coach. And this, <laughs> this is, you know, it might, some people might claim semantics, like what's the difference? But like you see a difference and I wanted to, to discuss like what is the difference yeah it's a great question um there's nothing wrong with the term life coach just to make clear on that i don't make sure that everyone's understanding i view it as with what i'm doing i'm not here to give life advice to people i'm here to help people move forward and progress by listening and offering different perspectives mm-hmm. okay my job is an accountability partner and to listen and to talk back and I'm not here to guide your life. I'm here to help you with it. So is it is it possible that, like, I guess what you might be getting at is using the term life coach kind of implies that maybe that person um, is in a place where they know better than you about how you should live your life, and maybe it could be misconstrued as, like, the expert versus, like, the person who doesn't know anything. It's right. like a power dynamic thing mm-hmm. that you don't want to, like, get into or... Yeah, in part, coaching is just about listening and talking, right? Mm-hmm. In our day-to-day lives, we aren't we don't really have the ability to talk to other people in a very candid way about our problems because the people we're talking to are friends and you don't want to reveal everything to them in general. And in your workplace setting, same thing, right? You can't talk to your boss about everything, can't talk about to various subjects. So having a coach where you can go, hey, I have this problem and impediment in my life. Cool, let's talk about it. And we can dive further into the story of what it is, find a different perspective, and you move forward. It's not my job to tell you what to do. I'm going to listen and guide you to where you need to be and let you find the answers. Mm. Isn't that like Aristotle or... No, no. There's... I forget. There's there's some kind of like uh, technique where like you 
lead somebody to the answer by just asking them questions that they have to answer and they have to arrive at the I know what you're talking about, but I the, forget the name. The name is escaping I'm me. Look, I, have, I have to Google it while you're talking. <laughs> um, how did you become a professional coach? How did you get into this? Why were you interested in wanting to become one? So I've been searching for a, for a little while. If you listen to my previous podcast, I was um, doing project management and Scrum Master work previously. So you're like, how'd you get to there? It's from from here. And I was like, well, I went on a journey of discovery, and that came with a lot of hard hard lessons and hard points, but it all accumulated in a conversation with a good friend of mine um, while I was out in San Francisco. And this is a guy who's very high up in corporate America. And we've been friends for, for a good amount of time. And we were just chatting over lunch. And just through conversation, I was able to help him through a lot of really hard things that were going with, on with him. And he's like, why aren't you, why aren't you doing this as a job? And I, I really sparked me. He's like, I looked back on my life and this is all I've been doing my whole life, listening and talking to people and giving people advice. I have a ton of life experience and this is, was or is the best way for me to leverage that and help others. Because in the end, that's what I want to do. I think it's the most amazing thing to be able to watch someone have an aha moment and move forward in their life with something that's been blocking them for one month, one year, two years, five years, whether that's around something within their career or something from their past or whatever and it's it's a really amazing moment it brings me a lot of joy and that's how i know this is what i'm meant to be doing is there a memory that comes to mind where somebody that you've worked with had an aha moment that you could share um yeah sure um i have one client and he's already let me know it's okay to talk about this but he was having a lot of issues surrounding uh his music career and where he wanted to go with it and we talked about it for two or three hours over a few sessions. And by talking, we were able to find out where his resentments came from, for what the, the way he feels about music and where he was going forward. And he came to a new place. He's like, you know what? I don't need to listen to other people. I don't need other people's validation. This is my, my creative art. I will put it out there. And through that, he's been able to really pivot in a new way within his music career and change the priority on it. And now he's having a lot more fun with it. Now he's not treating it as a job where he didn't want to make money in it. He's realized he does want to make money. He wants to actually have it as a creative outlet to help others. Mm-hmm. So he's completely changed the direction and just hearing him go, oh, man, that's amazing. All right, I know what I need to do now is a truly heartening moment for me. You helped him see what his priorities really were. Is yeah. that what we're saying? Yeah, just asking open-ended questions. That's all it really is. Why do you feel that way? Where does it come from? Where does it go? Con Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you, did you just reveal the name of your client? No, no, I did not. <laughs> Maybe. Mr. Joe. Caught me out. So, how has being a professional coach um, helped you grow as a person? Challenges me every day. Um, my coaching accreditation course really, really taught me how to leverage all my life experience and turn what I already inherently have into something a lot more practical. And when I say that is I'm a problem solver by nature. I see a problem. I want to fix it. And unfortunately that sometimes means just giving out all the answers. So I've been able to change where I, now I listen more. 
I let people finish their, their sentences, but, and I don't give them the answers. I ask them questions to guide them to where they need to. So this has really bled into my own personal life as mm -hmm. well. It's helped change my relationships with other people and with my partner and how I approach a lot of different things. It's easier said than done, though, oh, isn't it? 100%. It's a mindset change. It's hard. It's a habit. You have to keep going at it. I mean, like, for me, I feel like I have a constant struggle not to interrupt people. <laughs> it's really hard to... You, you want to get it out of your brain before you forget it. Well, I explain it to my wife this way, because I have ADHD, which means I have poor working memory. Mm -hmm. And I think something that I struggle with personally is I have something that I really want to say, and I know that if I do not say it and they continue to talk, it's gone. And so sh we've, we've actually worked together to get to... Um, a mentality of maybe it's okay that it's gone <laughs> like just let maybe you just have to accept that some of your thoughts are going to come out some of your thoughts are not and that maybe the conversation will be better because of it if you let it organically go back and forth and let that person speak until they're done talking right was that really hard for you to adapt to I mean, it's still, I'm, it's still a work in progress. <laughs> I mean, we'll see how this interview goes. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, there's, there's two types of talk, right? We, could, we only really talk to two separate, separate things. We talk to ourselves and we talk to other people, right? And the way we talk to ourselves is not the way we talk to other people. In general, we talk to ourselves kind of like crap, to be honest. What do you mean, talk to ourselves? I'm feeling ugly today. I don't look good. I hate what I'm wearing. Oh, I, I, I've, lost, I've gained 10 pounds, right? Thoughts that we're having. Yes, but you're still talking to yourself. You're still having conversation with your, your conscious okay. and subconscious mind. I guess I just think when you say the word talk, like, like schizo, like externalizing the words. No, you still have just... conversations in your brain, okay. right? I mean, not everybody. Some people don't have conversations in their mind. They actually, a lot of people speak out loud. I'm sure you, you feel that way, but other people have multiple conversations in their brain, not schizophrenic. Hi. <laughs> Me. <laughs> that's, that's how we work through problems, right? Well, see, I don't know if every... I, I mean, I've always wondered this, like, if everyone's brains work like my brain or everyone's brains are working in different ways because... Personally, I struggle with having too many thoughts in my brain at once and having to try to figure out which one to pay attention to and mm. which ones to try to shut down. And I've always wondered, like, you know, like taking an ADHD medication kind of makes us you have one thought at a time. And I've always wondered, like, okay, so is that what a neurotypical brain behaves like? And if you have ADHD, do you have a bombardment of thoughts? And I don't know, I, I guess I, I'm a poor judge of trying to understand what is normal i don't know i mean there isn't a normal and everyone's brains work differently i mean i remember when i was a kid i had a moment where i was like does everyone see the way that i see things does everyone see like the way i see things within my eyes and it's the same thing with our brains but i think you you said a really important phrase where pay attention attention really is a big part of this paying attention to your life being present within your life um, meditation is huge for being able to control attention and your thoughts, right? People think that Buddhist monks don't feel anything, and it's quite opposite. They feel everything, but they've just learned how to control their minds, how to hear thoughts and let them go, and feelings, and how they react to situations. They're present in their life, and they're paying attention to what's going on. I wonder. I wonder how many years it takes to get to a place like that. It's a long time. <laughs> it, it it it's a habit. You have to start by shaving your head. <laughs> I 
I've thought about it. Just give it a shot. Go to a Buddhist monk. Have you ever seen a, a Buddhist monk with hair? Is that a thing? No. Not a, not a proper one, anyway. Um, meditation is something that I have on my list of things to do every day that I rarely do. What's I'm going to be honest. Doing it? Um, I don't value it. Why? I should value it. I know I value it enough to have should. it on my list of things to do, but when I when I attempt to do it, mm-hmm. I have I think I have that feeling of that nagging feeling that there's something that I need to be doing, and why am I sitting here just doing nothing? Like I should be doing something else that I need to do, and I it's hard for me to convince my brain that meditation and letting my brain process the thoughts is an important task. Like I understand that it is, mm-hmm. but it's just I don't know. It, there, I guess there's a difference sometimes between knowing and getting yourself to do it. I don't know. Well, like, the- I, like I know chips are unhealthy, <laughs> but I'll still eat a whole bag of them. And it's like, how do you, how do you get, bring your knowledge and your actions? into alignment it's discipline it's a challenge discipline yeah um it comes back to paying attention to your life yeah you're, you're in control right if you want to be healthier only you can do that no one else can do it for you um and this kind of comes to the way we talk you just said should right should is a shame word oh i should have done this i should have done that i should have could have done this when we change how we use our words, it actually changes our mindset. It's assertive versus narrative, right? I am going to do this versus, oh, I will do that, right? Am, I'm going to do it, sets in your mind. Will, it's, it's in the future, I'll get to it at some point, right? Mm-hmm. The way we talk to ourselves does make a big difference, the way we externalize a lot of this stuff. So you're saying it's better to say that definitively that you're, you are doing it. I am doing it. Present? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you're either willing or you're unwilling. Mm-hmm. Right? Are you willing to do it or not? So, like, you shouldn't say, I should do something. It's, I am doing it or I'm not doing it. Not, I should or I shouldn't. Right. I am willing to do this or I'm not willing to do this. Interesting. But it, it's self-care, right? We don't place much or any importance on self-care in the U.S. Mental health physical health, any of these kind of things, they're, they're not important. Work is important, right? Going, people understand you have to go to the gym, but we don't treat our minds like we treat our bodies. Mm-hmm. We don't actually take the time to treat our minds like a muscle. You can go to a gym, I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay, I'm going to hire a personal trainer. Cool, they know what they're doing. They know how to get you to where you need to be. Create a regimen, how to eat healthy, these kind of things. But we don't do the same thing for our brain, right? We can go mm-hmm. to a therapist and a psychotherapist, but all of that is looking into the past. The work I do, I look at the present and the future. Mm. Right? My job is to listen to what's going on with you, not um, go into the past and you know find out how your parents affect you. I mean, the stories there are important, but they're not the focus. We're not going to dive into that. Right? What I want to focus on is getting you to where you want to be. And you have to be willing to do that. Yeah, I think that's an interesting selling point that people work out their body. Why wouldn't you find ways to work out your mind, right? Right. Like we, we read. Maybe, maybe Sudoku is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different kind of thing, but yeah. I mean, it's really based upon what your priorities are, uh-huh. right? If you want to have a better memory, 
you can do that. If you want to be more physically fit, you can do it. If you want to grow in your career, you can do it. But you have to put the effort into it. And we're not willing to do that for a lot of things because we're so overwhelmed with what's going on around us. Um, but if you don't put the effort in, you'll never get there. And you have, to, you have the life you're willing to put up with, and that's it. Yeah, I think it's just easy to forget that we need to take care of ourselves. I think it's just easy to forget. You get lost in everything that's going on in your life that it's like you just don't feel like there's time or you just don't have the energy or you're putting the care of somebody else above yours. Like I just had a baby and like clearly like everything is about the baby now. So it's like I'm staying up really late at night and not sleeping very well. And I think sometimes in life... That's just how it's going to be. But, like, when you obviously, like, if you have the option to prioritize caring for yourself, then you should find ways to do that. Um, like, for example, getting um, a grandparent to watch the kid for a little bit or something like that, right? Yeah. Well, that comes into the territory of being able to ask for help. Yes. And Which is something that people <laughs> struggle with, too. I struggle with it all the time. I, I do, too. I'm still learning. It's not easy. As as if you're an independent person in this day and age, you know, man up, especially as, as a man, it's like, man up, just do it, right? Don't have feelings, don't do any of these things, don't ask for help. You have to be able to do it yourself. And in the end, we're actually stronger together than yeah. as individuals. Right? Like in the case of the baby thing, I, I actually have several friends that have been like, oh, anytime you're at your wits end like i'm come i'll come over and help you i love babies blah 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 but then because of covid like my wife and i were like uh how many people do we want to like have right. in our house to be around the baby it's just it's just an unfortunate time we need a robot <laughs> they're Ro coming robot they're coming. nanny um i i had a thought when i was i was doing yoga and i was coming out of it and i just thought to myself what if I turn self-care into my main job? What if I say self-care is my priority mm -hmm. and the work that I do is secondary? That doesn't say it's not as important, but it's just saying that taking care of myself first will actually help me improve in my work, right? If you get out of bed and go straight to your desk, you don't have any time to wake up to decompress to you know get yourself ready for the day if you can take even 30 minutes and that's like well i want to make sure i'm brushing my teeth more and i can do a 10 minute yoga exercise and make my tea and read one chapter of, of a short book right that doesn't sound hard but you have to be willing to do it yeah and most people just aren't willing to do it i think the first step is is the thought and the second step i think for me would be writing it down so it doesn't go the thought doesn't disappear because mm -hmm. if, if i have the thought i'm like oh that would be good for me and then i move on it's gone if i don't write it down and revisit that thought and then prioritize when i should be doing these things in some kind of schedule it's not happening yeah but writing writing it down is i guess helpful what do you feel is holding you back from starting doing any kind of meditation well so to be clear I think I do meditate, but in a unconventional sense. So, like, I run every day, mm -hmm. and when on my runs, I feel like I slip into a meditative state where... So, I work in um, adult learning, right? I work um, 
as a learning experience designer over at Expedia. And one of the things that we um, uh, use as like a framework for what we do is the, the different modes of the brain, that there's the focus mode and then there's the... Oh, I, I always forget this term. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> I got it right here. It's um, diffuse mode. Hmm. There's focus mode and diffuse mode. And so like focus mode is when you're trying to do something and diffuse mode is when your brain's trying to make sense of it all. Hmm. And um, so like when I'm on a run or if I'm like sitting in a, sometimes I'll sit in the shower and just sit there and, and think. And like I think it, or sometimes I'll lay in bed at night and just think. And I think that those are times where I'm not, con I'm not actively thinking, but my brain is just doing its thing. Uh, like I'm tripping or something, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's on its own little journey. And I think those are meditative states, but I'm not consciously sitting down like it's meditation time, you know, like I'm not doing that, but I, I do carve out moments to let my brain go into that, um, going into that. What did I say it was called? Dur diffuse mode. Diffuse mode. It almost sounds like you're talking about flow states. Um, I don't know. I mean, what would be the difference? I don't know. I don't know about diffuse to really answer that question. Yeah. Uh, a flow state is just where your mind uh, separates from your physical form and you go on an autopilot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you react before you can even think about it. Your body knows what's to, what to do. And runner's high is a form of flow state. Hmm. I feel like my thoughts are free in those moments to to show up and and disappear mm. like it feels like meditation to me and it is and meditation comes in many different forms i think people really focus on the idea of meditation as sitting in a lotus position hands out eyes closed and just sitting there for 20 minutes going what what's meant to be happening what am i meant to be doing this actually reminds me of one of the most popular uh, subreddits on Reddit is called Shower Thoughts. Uh, I was just about to say also Shower Thoughts. Yes. And so, like, this is not, like, a foreign concept. Like, a lot of people have these experiences yeah. uh, have, sitting in a have shower. Have them on the toilet. toilet. Oh, slash toilet thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah. I don't know how many people are having those because everyone's on on their phone now it's on true. the toilet. I actively don't bring my phone in anymore for that reason. <laughs> One piece, bring, bring pen and paper, and just write. <laughs> Some good stuff comes out, man. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, something that you mentioned to me is that not everybody needs a professional coach nope. that some people are more prime candidates so who would you say would benefit the most from having one i would i'm actually going to go back on what i said and say not everyone is ready for it okay so everyone could benefit from one but not everyone is at a place in their life where they are ready f to have that experience correct and what it what is what is the thing you can point to and say this means they're not ready yet what does that mean if they're focused on the past and where they are right now and not willing to change and listen to different perspectives to really benefit from coaching, you have to come in with a willingness to change mm -hmm. and an open mind. Mm -hmm. If you have those two main things, you're, you're pretty much good to go. If people come in and, you know, oh, you know, I'm really stuck with, you know, issues from my childhood, that is a valid thing, but I will refer people to therapists first. And I work with 
therapists in tandem with people. So, And you're getting at something that I wanted to bring up organically, which is explain to viewers out there, what is the difference between having a therapist and having a like a professional coach like you? Yeah. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's about the past versus the present, mm -hmm. right? Therapy and psychotherapy and cognitive therapy and all these are about diving into your past and mm -hmm. finding why they're ca causing issues now, right? Coaching is about looking at the current issues of what you're trying to progress in within your life. I see. I, I think that, I think that, uh, um, what you're saying is true in the sense that there's more of a lens on your past. But I do, from my experience personally, I have had experiences with therapists where they will where they will focus on all of it. Like right. they'll they'll basically focus on whatever you talk about, but they'll try maybe they try to tie it to your past. And I think another big thing with about therapy versus coaching is the fact that with therapy, the therapist poses the questions. Mm. Within coaching, you bring the agenda. I don't I'm not here to do anything else apart from listen and talk. If you want, I can offer suggestions, but you bring the agenda, right? You come with what you you want to talk about, mm -hmm. what you want to work on. And that's far more empowering than a therapist, you know, asking about the past and you diving further in, into that and then them using that to guide you where you need to be in that respect. So again, it's versus it's past versus present and future. So there are good coaches and bad coaches, right? Like what makes as with everything in life. What would you say from your perspective makes somebody someone that a client should look for? I don't think there is a good coach or a bad coach. I think it's more so what personality fits with you and how you think. Uh -huh. So there's like a um, a better fit, worse fit. 100%. I've, I've had people already where I'm like, you know what? You you need this, but I know someone else who I think can work better with you. Because we uh -huh. all have different special, specialties and fields and different life experiences, right? Yeah. Some people have a lot more experience with executive coaching because they were in the corporate world for a long time, mm -hmm. right? Other people, career, other people, divorce, relationships. You know, there's all different types of people who are coaching. So there is no good or bad. It's about what fits with what you're looking for. I see. Yeah. Kind of like relationships with uh, romantic relationships, yeah. friendships. It's like, it's yeah. not necessarily like there are bad people, there's good people. It's like some people you just vibe better with. Yeah. Multiple people look for different therapists because eventually you'll find the one that clicks with you and understands you and you feel comfortable with it's the same thing i work with early and mid-career people to move forward in the careers and also find balance in life yeah and i know that's a really hard thing to think about like, is that possible it is but it's it's asking a lot of hard questions about how you treat yourself yeah and the time you take for yourself and removing stigmas around feeling selfish yeah and you live in South Lake Union, which is Amazon town, Facebook town, like a lot of tech companies where people are like working themselves real hard. They're new. They, they're fresh out of college. They're working themselves real hard and they need this. They need they need to um, prioritize self-care. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're you're actually very well positioned, I would say, like where you are um, <laughs> location wise, location wise to work with those people locally, you know, I guess whenever COVID is over, like, I feel like that's a, a, a much needed um, thing in that area. Yeah. And to me, it's not about that. I mean, it's a, it's a good benefit, but 
especially with you know, mentioning COVID, right now, self-care is more important than ever. And we have the time for it. Uh-huh. People are finally being able to have some time for themselves and remember the things that used to bring them joy. Some people forgot that they enjoyed drawing or painting or writing poetry or being out in nature. Or- some people are like, I've forgotten how much I enjoy being alone. Yes, that too. <laughs> 100 percent and then oh, the opposite some people who've been alone a long time want some people around so uh-huh. we're, we're being forced into a situation where we have time to do it and we should take advantage of it yeah build the habits now um it's a really nice thing that the world around us is changing for the better or worse but the work-life balance is changing around the world there are places where they're changing it to four-day work weeks america is now going remote that comes with their own set of challenges, but also gives you more time, right? You, can, you just reclaimed an hour on your commute. What can you do with that hour? I'm going to sleep more. Why don't you change that and use that hour to do 20 minutes of yoga or read for half an hour or draw or find, find a way to start your day for you, yeah. right? Set you first in the morning and then you can carry on. And it really does bleed into your life in really positive ways. I was actually, I was watching some local news report and this guy, he was trying to be funny, I guess, but he was like, <laughs> he was doing his uh, report from home and he's like, uh, he's like, I actually missed my routine so much that now I get dressed up, I get in my car and I drive. He said, I drive a little bit and then I drive back to my house and then come into my office to make it feel like I drove to work. Mm. <laughs> I mean, uh, whatever works for you. Whatever right? works for, for you. I mean, <laughs> there are a whole new set of challenges with remote working where it really is, you know, if you stay in your comfy clothes all day, that's how you're going to act. If uh-huh. you have two separate different sets of clothes, you have your work clothes, and when you change out of those, then your work day is done. Uh, but that's a whole other conversation around COVID and remote working. So, you know, you talk a lot about self care. What are some things that you would recommend people that they could start doing right now? to practice self-care like some actionable items that's a personal thing you know i you would don't say think there's any generic ones i that... mean sure eat better yeah exercise yeah, brush your like, teeth well, it's shower like, it's maslow's hierarchy right yeah. like but i'm talking about the things that really make an impact in your life you can have the minor stuff but you can have a major thing where again for me Taking 20 minutes to read a book and then write down my tasks for the day sets me on a good path for my day. I get my exercise in the yoga in the morning, 15 Mm -hmm. minutes, right? And I do some other workout and then I've got that done and I can start my day off feeling accomplished instead of diving straight into my work. But I think a lot of the things that you're saying, like if you look at this, like a lot of the the things that you're saying, they fall into this, Mm. that like... And then I'm, I'm now, this is actually kind of interesting to me because I'm looking at this and I'm thinking like, where are the areas in Maslow's hierarchy that I neglect personally? And I think for me, especially during COVID, it's friends. Mm. Like for me, self-care looks like um, making time for friends, making time for just doing things that are fun to and to socialize and hang out with other people. And I think because of COVID, a lot of people are lacking that. That for me, that's a big self care part uh, part of the equation. Um, How do you feel like that impacts you on a daily basis? I think you feel lonely, and um, it makes you just feel isolated and disconnected. 
and it's depressing you know i i mean everyone has different needs i guess um i mean i don't know i mean i think maslow's hierarchy is a generic thing that applies to everyone as humans but maybe some people value certain levels of it more than others or i don't know like an, maybe an introvert doesn't mind as much i'm not sure but like look at physical physiological needs like i have friends that um forget to eat <laughs> and it's like that's, that. i mean that's a great form of, of self-care right like we do it all, i do it all the time it's yeah. unfortunate i've worked in restaurants for a long time and you ate when you could and yeah. you ate really quickly so it's that wasn't a good way of performing self-care but now i'm not in that business and i take the time to make meals and not just eat meals but like like it's like input output right like mm-hmm. the more you focus on nutrition of what you put into your body, the better your body is going to function. And it's like some people don't value what the input of what they put in themselves. You know, like if you're, I feel like if you are smoking a pack a day and drinking a lot of alcohol and eating garbage fast food, and then you're like, why do I, why do I feel lousy? It's like, what, what are your inputs that are causing these outputs? Right? Like, I think, um, I think that that's an important form of self-care is being aware, bring, bringing attention to to what are the inputs. You got it. Bring attention. Yeah. Bring attention to your life. Be present in your life. We we are on autopilot about 90% of the day. Right? If you're driving somewhere, you generally don't remember anything about the drive. If you're... Our general daily tasks, eating, walking around, sleeping, like all these things are subconscious acts. We actually think very little mm-hmm. about what's going on in our lives on a present basis. And the things we do focus on are usually bad things. Yeah. And those, that's what we give our energy to. And that, that's a cycle. If, if we keep focusing on the negative, and it, I hate positive mindset mentality in terms of everyone focuses on, I know it's a little shift, but everything, everyone focuses on, well, if you just talk more positive, you become more positive. And it's like, that's a piece of the equation. Yeah, it's not going to solve everything. Right. You can be at home alone and wake up every morning and say, today's going to be a great day. And if you don't leave your house and wake up every morning saying, today's going to be a great day, you just die in your house. Yeah, or like Trump saying that COVID is no big deal. Oh, that's a whole thing. It's like, Trump, it's no big deal. It's no big deal, right. guys. It's no big deal. It's po- It's like, I understand what he's trying to do. He's right. trying to like, if I minimize it, maybe it'll just like, the damage won't be as bad. And there's some truth to that. But you can't make something go away by positive right. You have to make action. It's, yes. it's a duality. You have to have the positive mindset yes. and then the action to follow through with that. Yes. Um, looking back at this... Um, just i think that bottom row is probably like a big form of neglect for a lot of people like water i don't think enough people aren't drinking enough water throughout the day these are just basic things like people just drank more water ate more healthy food and stopped putting in unhealthy food in their body and got enough rest like a lot of people aren't sleeping enough my, myself included <laughs> i'm getting like i think i might be getting like five hours right now four to five if i'm lucky um and it's not, and it's interrupted because of the baby, but I don't know, I guess you you do what you can. That's, that's, it's a hard time to be, be going through that. There's only so much you can do, but you still can take steps, but it's not easy ones. So I wanted to share with you, um, <laughs> oh God. I wanted to share with you, we, we were talking about self-care 
And so uh, it's Nicole's birthday coming up. Mm. And um, it's a funny story. So I noticed that she was feeling really tired and a little like depressed and just wiped out from, you know, being a new mom. And I'm like, I want to do something nice for her. And so I booked her a hotel room mm-hmm. to stay at by herself. Just oh, wow. like go away, you know, have a night to yourself. And then um, one of the things that she was looking for in a hotel was a jacuzzi. Because, you know, it's really nice and relaxing. That it is. But guess what? What? Well, COVID. <laughs> no hotels have jacuzzis right now because of COVID. Yep. And we were looking for a hotel room with like a Jetta tub. And the only places that have them are like extremely expensive. And we're like, what are we going to? I was like, what can I do about this? And then I found, I found this thing. <laughs> I thought you got a kiddie pool and just like got some jets and just blasting. No, nah, it's so look, this is a, a bubble <laughs> massage mat. What? And so we got one of these things. It's actually really cool. So it's this mat that goes in your bathtub huh. and you, you turn on this little device and it really feels like you're in a jacuzzi. Huh. It's pretty cool. And it has uh, like a little aroma clip, it says, for essential oil. So it smells real Interesting. nice. Anyway, that when I think of self-care, I'm like, that is a luxury, obviously. It's a luxury. We didn't need it. And I am usually Mr. Frugal trying to like use money for things that we need and not like overindulge. But like, that's an area where I was like, you know what? Like, treat yourself. Treat yourself. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking about. <laughs> right? Like, and, 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 um, it's nice, you know, it helps helps us relax uh, at night, and it's a special thing that we have. And That sounds like a cheap form of self-care to me. Yeah? Um, so do you, ha- do you have anything like that in your life? Oh, Some- where- do you have a, a bubble massage I do. mat? I have a um, massage gun that is way too powerful and aggressive, but does the job. <laughs> Danielle will not use it because it vibrates her whole body, but I can get in some, some deep muscle tissue that... I I enjoy. It's not for everybody. But that was my little gift to myself. Yeah. So things like that are important, right? Like 100%. It's yeah. I think some people maybe have trouble um spending money on themselves. I think um well I think maybe during COVID also with unemployment people are like being more like conservative with spending cuz they're like how am I going to come up with right paying my bills and but um what is it? Inslee, our our governor, he just did a moratorium on evictions until mm-hmm. the end of the year, which is good. Um, but I think it's important to to be willing to take care of yourself, and and sometimes that means a massage gun or <laughs> a jet tub, or a jet tub, right? Yeah, <laughs> why not? Yeah, it, it, self care comes in many many different forms, but it's the process of paying attention to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make you selfish. Yeah, I was going to say, when does it, when does it um, go into that territory of it's gone too far? Because I think the word selfishness gets a bad rap because if you really break it down, to be selfish is just to care about yourself, right? It's not necessarily to care more about yourself than other people, right. is it? I don't know. It, it has different meanings it, to different yeah, people. I think in this day and age, the connotation around the word selfish is bad. Yeah, I mean, Google says it's lacking cons- lacking consideration for others. And I I think maybe 
if you use that definition, it is not the greatest to to not care about other people at the expense of caring about yourself. But I think it's important to care about yourself. It is. I don't know what the word for that is. Though. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to think of an alternate word. Self care. Self care. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that doesn't make you selfish because even though you're taking time for yourself, it doesn't mean you're disregarding others. Yes. Right. I think that kind of comes into play if, where you know you're out there and at a at a restaurant, right? And the bill comes and everyone splits it, and you're like, "No, I I didn't I didn't eat any of that or various things." And, that can be construed as selfish. Whereas if you're taking an hour for yourself in the morning before work, I don't think that's a bad thing. It makes you selfish or inconsiderate of others. Yeah. Self-care does not make you selfish. That's it. I think that's a good phrase. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think more people need to be told it's okay to take care of themselves. And to prioritize taking care of themselves. Just no. as long as it's not taking care of yourself and neglecting everyone else. Like, if finding a balance. And you can tell people that, but the, as I'm sure you can understand, the application is not easy. And that's where the, the willingness to... If you're hiring a coach, you, I'm here as an accountability partner, right? I'm here to be accountable to you. I'm not going to make you do anything. I'm not going to give you homework, because this isn't school, Right. There's a willingness within yourself, and when you'll find when you prioritize yourself and self-care, life just gets better, mm-hmm. and you start to have... You're always going to have problems in your life. You just have to have better problems. And when I say better problems, if you start a business and you suddenly fill up your capacity, you now have better problems. If you had bad teeth and you decided to gallon regimen and clean them properly now you just have different problems when you had before and you have better problems right now you have to preserve your clean teeth right but you have better problems uh-huh. instead of having to go and get drill and teeth pull and everything else which i know multiple people in our age range are starting to reach that point of cavities and root canals and everything else and gum disease but if you just take the time 10 minutes a day doesn't sound like much 10 minutes we have 24 hours in a day and we can't take 10 minutes to take care of ourselves. That sounds completely ridiculous. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because we've been taught over the years that it's not about us. It's about other people and serving, mm-hmm. right? Or perhaps we haven't been taught to take the 10 minutes. That too. It's like a lack of education or it's the wrong education. It's like a mixture, maybe. Well, that's a whole different conversation. People are not educated on real-world things, right? Even on doing taxes and finances. That's not an education course you can have unless you go to a higher level. You know, these are basic things that should be taught so you can be a functioning member of society. Mm-hmm. You can take care of yourself and take care of other people instead of being taken care of by other people. Yeah. Because you don't take care of yourself. We need more of a functional education in society and less of a... Like a rote memorization of useless facts. Right. And that comes through big, hard change, which is what's happening on a, I mean, on a global and national scale. So, Nathan, we have touched on a lot of topics, a lot of great topics here around professional coaching. Are there any other um, topics that you would like to discuss around around this or have we pretty much exhausted it no i mean the, the, there are plenty of topics to, to chat about i mean in the end you just have to ask yourself some harder questions and 
through the the journey and the process of me getting to where I am now, I've had to go through a, a lot of internal questions of who am I? What do I stand for? What are my values? What do I what, what is my place in the world? Asking myself a lot harder questions than I ask other people because I, f- I didn't feel like I was lost, but I didn't know where I was going. And to find out where I was going, I had to ask some harder questions. And then I just learned more about the values that I use in day-to-day life. And I learned that the value of perfectionism is actually a really terrible value to uphold. Like, I have to be the best, or I have to be better than others? Or what does that mean? To me, perfectionism is everything I do has to be done at the highest level possible. Oh, okay. Right? In every aspect of life. Mm-hmm. And that's really tiring. Where does that come from? Where does it go? Um, it it comes from just my childhood and growing up here with a father who was very uh, particular about things and make sure things were done right. Mm-hmm. But you're saying the parents, parents teach us that we have to try to be the best? Parents, teachers, people in our lives dogs i don't know and you think where did the parents get it is it just like being passed on through the family or is it maybe a messaging that we're receiving through society as a whole multitude of things yeah it's easy to forget that our parents are products of their parents and their parents are products of their parents right yeah so that comes into a whole other conversation of breaking generational expectations but i mean like this devil's advocate you don't want to teach your child to be bad at something Right? You don't, you, you, but it, maybe it's about not about being the best, but about tr- working hard. It's about like giving it your all and accepting the outcome and not be the best or you are a failure. But that's work ethic and not perfectionism. Uh huh. Work ethic is is exactly that. Just carrying on, like even though you know mistakes are going to happen, yeah. you still carry on to work and you keep going. You're disciplined. Perfectionism in my life has stopped me from putting myself out there if you can't do it perfect don't do it all don't do it at all pretty much that's what what i'm saying is like the growth mindset philosophy that i understand is like when it comes to teaching your children how they should be that you should not praise success you should praise hard work and that if you do that then they will continue to try in the face of adversity. When they fail, they'll say, what have I learned? How can I do this better next time? Versus if you praise success, then when they fail, they're like, oh, I should do something different because I'm bad at this. Yeah, that's work ethic. Yeah. 100%. So I would say that more to break that chain, more people need to teach their children in their formative years to care more about practice and work and overcoming failure and see or seeing failure as part of the journey and not as a indicator that you should do something else perhaps right i mean look at where we are right now in america right the mentality of winning at everything has put us into a really bad place you can't win at everything that's not realistic and that's not a good thing right to really learn at life you have to make mistakes mm-hmm. we, we're human right? Good things happen to bad people, bad things happen to good people, and vice versa. Life doesn't care whether you're procrastinating or pushing forward. It's going to carry on without you. So, you got to make mistakes. It's, it's how you apply what you learn from those mistakes into your life that's important. 
And if you keep on winning and winning and winning and winning, you never have the opportunity to actually grow. So it really is important to understand that, yes, you're going to go through some bad things and some losses and some really crappy stuff in your life, but it's what you take away from it and how you apply it to your life that will allow you to move to the next level. To understand how to feel ecstasy and joy and happiness, you also have to feel the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Pain and suffering and loss and everything else, right? Balance in life, light and dark, yin and yang, black and white. It's all the same thing. There has to be a balance. Peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly. So I would say to people, embrace the mistakes that happen in your life. But learn from them and move forward. Is there an experience that you've had that comes to mind when you think about this? (sighs) Probably. (laughs) There's a a lot of searching going on. Um, Sure. I, you know, the last time I was on this podcast, I was working on a tech career. I was really wanting to push my tech career to the next level. And I ended up working at one of the I'm not going to say it out loud, but very large corporations that everyone knows in in the world and hated my life. I felt like my soul was being sucked out of my body every day. And it put me into a really depressing, depressed place. Like for the first time in my life, I entered a true depression. And I really had to take a step back and think about Why? Why was I depressed? Was it my relationship? Was it where I'm going in my life? And I realized that the values that I had set and what I was trying to look for and do by having you know a great relationship, having stability, having the great good tech job, making decent money, and you know moving forward in my life was bringing me deep sadness, and I, I couldn't put two and two together. When I left that job, I came back to myself, and I it really showed me that. Just because I wanted something doesn't mean it's what I needed. Mm-hmm. And that allowed me to pivot into a different direction in my life. Well, it's like without that experience, you wouldn't have known that that's not what you needed. So you needed 100%. to have the experience. But it's like your mentality and how you see see it so you can grow from it. Right. And if I hadn't gone through that experience, like I said, I wouldn't be where I am now. And to some people, they say that I failed in that job because I didn't stick with it. But in reality, I didn't fail. I just realized things a lot faster and was able to make a very hard decision with consequences that mm-hmm. I had to deal with. But I'm happy I did it because I, I changed my life. And if I was still there, I would be deeply unhappy. Yeah. And people just are very focused on their circumstances and not what they can do to change it. They accept that this is what it is, and this is what I have to do. Obviously, you know, with COVID, we're limited in some respects, but you still doesn't mean you can't make the effort, right? You can be in a terrible job with a vision of what you want to go into. So you can start doing schooling, you can start doing reading and moving in a different direction without whilst you're in another job. But the point is you're making an effort to change and move forward and not accept what is, what is, is, is. Yeah, And I think also, like, keeping in the back of your mind that we're always growing, we're always changing, and that maybe you reach a point where you're like, okay, I'm happy with this job that I'm doing, but that in a year that might change. And except, like, I think that when I think about work that way, where 
there was a I had a lot of anxiety in my early 20s about picking a career path mm-hmm. because I'm like what if it's the wrong one what if I don't like it um, and I remember just having like analysis paralysis about it where I would see like a bunch of different options a bunch of different ways I could go and then I had some opportunities come up and I didn't know if I should pursue them or not and one of the things that i told myself is like you know what you can always try something and start going down that path and if something changes you can try something else like that's okay and i think that maybe some people they are afraid of trying because they think that maybe they're too far into a certain path and they're like they don't want to start over but i i don't know i think that being open to uh being educated in any point of your life and being open to the idea that you're, it's never too late for you to, to try something, not to start over, to try something new. Mm-hmm. Like you're never too old to do that. And it's just about, um, I don't know, maybe it has to be the right thing that you're trying something new because if it feels like too much like work, maybe it's not the right thing. You know what I mean? Like some people, they're like, "Oh, I've been doing this career path for ten years." The idea of starting over—they say starting over—I I think that might be a toxic mentality. It but is. They, starting over um, and doing a different career path—it's like I've wasted all my time. I think maybe reframing that as like it wasn't a waste of time. You know, all of the experience that you have from that can be transferable to something else, and and you had to have that experience in order to want to go into this other experience like you have to like reframe it right 100 percent. i actually had this exact conversation with uh someone a couple days ago um she's 57 and she doesn't know what to do or where to go or and i was like you're not old enough like you're not too old get that out of your brain i have people who are in my coaching class who are in the late 60s early 70s oh wow right it doesn't matter what age you're at you need to look at everything, the accumulation of what's happened so far and how you can apply it to go forward. It is a really hard thing for people when, you know, growing up in England, you're asked at 14, 15, hey, choose the direction of where you want your life to go. And you're like, I barely know myself yet. How can I choose what I'm meant to do for the rest of my life? There are some people in this world who know from a very young age what they want to do and they, because they're prodigies in music or various other things. But in general, no one knows what they want to do for the rest of their life and nor should they to stop you for a second so like in britain you're saying that who who asks you that your parents or what no do you so you have to choose i mean when i was growing up um we had to go through gcse's was a general certificate of educa- education secondary education and then you move on to your a levels in the gcse's you pick um five majors five things you focus on and then when you move forward then you narrow that down further Hmm. um and you just kind of like figure it out as you go along pretty much interesting um but you know like in the american education system they ask you to to choose a major and there's people who choose i know chosen geology and they love geology but unfortunately coming out of it there aren't a lot of job opportunities yeah so even though you're getting an amazing education the application in the real world isn't always there but it doesn't mean you didn't learn anything or you can't apply it I think a big thing that people get stuck on, especially in America, is they go through this whole, I don't want to use the word forced education, but it's expected, where people don't get a break. 
they don't get a break to understand themselves better. You know, in Europe, we're allowed to have gap years where we can take a year off before we go into university, college, and gives you a much better idea of who you are and your place in the world. If you go through schooling from the age four all the way through to 24, 25, and then you get out and then you enter the workforce, you're like, oh, now I feel like I wasted my time because I just spent five years and $80,000 on an education that I'm not going to use. Of course, you're going to feel annoyed and you're going to keep on going in that path because you spent the time doing it, right? And there's a lot of stigma around not being able to pivot into something else that brings you much more joy. And if you like what you do and you're passionate with what you do, that sounds like a really good life to me. Have you ever heard of the term golden handcuffs? No, or no I Wait. Yeah, golden. I think it's golden handcuffs. It's where somebody is being compensated by a company so well that even if they don't like the job... They fear le- leaving the job for a different job because they think they'll be like throwing away such a good thing. Right? I know a couple people like that. Well, in, C- in tech, I think in cities where um, a lot of people have like tech jobs, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are probably like in that situation where maybe like they don't love their job, but I, it's like the company makes it worth their while to the point where like they put up with it. Right. You know what I mean? And to anyone out there listening, you can change your job and change your life. It takes a little bit of effort. But it is doable. Well, I also think money isn't everything. Like, you it's have not. to, like, stop yourself and be like, look, it, does X amount of dollars more a year really make me happier? Like, once I have all my basic needs met, wouldn't I rather be doing this other thing that maybe is more fulfilling to and in line with, like, what I, I see myself doing with my time and, and my energy? I think a lot of people, they're, they're too hyper-focused on the, like, the... The total compensation, the TC, like, they're yep. just like, well, well I, and I, I don't know. I don't know if that's, I feel like that's a toxic mentality. Once you're getting a nut, once you're, I don't know. It is. And it's, it's the unfortunate thing of li- living in a materialistic culture Yeah, is that that's what we're shown is success, right? You have more things, you have better stuff, you get a bigger place, you get more things like this, this vicious cycle. I personally try to live a minimalistic life and the things that are within my life, I value a lot more. Um, the, the whole system is rigged to not make you happy. And when you can actually take a step back and think about what you want and you need, you don't, not everybody needs a hundred thousand dollars a year, right? Mm-hmm. You could actually live quite comfortably on 60, and have more free time. If you want to make $100,000 a year, that's cool. But you have to have the understanding that you're going to be working 50, 60, 70 hour weeks and not have a lot of time for yourself and sacrifice family. Because that's that's the exchange. It's an exchange, right? They're exchanging your time for that money. So you really have to think about what your time is worth and what you want from life. Yeah. I remember seeing... I remember seeing something like this in my uh, one of my first jobs. They they had like a consultant come in and show everyone at the company a graph like this. And I remember feeling at the time like it was propaganda because I wasn't being paid very well. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're trying to tell me that we don't care about money. I'm like, all right, yeah, keep telling yourself that. But 
the older that I've gotten, the more I've started to like come around and see like what they were really getting at, which is like once once your basic needs are met and you have enough money to pay for your bills and and the things that you want, like what do you value? And so like you look at like this glass door graph and it's like they're saying that, you know, people care about like what is the culture like where I'm working? What do they value? Um, who am I working for? Um, what are the opportunities available to me? Um, do they let me have a work-life balance where I can spend time with my family? And that's a big one in, in Seattle or tech com- yep. tech cities in general. It's like, does this company treat me like a cog in the wheel and try to grind me to the bone? Or are they trying, or do they see me as a person and let me um, work with me and having a balance between how I want to live my life and also contribute to their cause, you know? And these are things that I think maybe as you get older and you are, have enough money to pay your bills, you start to see as more important because this is how you spend your, it's how you spend your life. Right. I think a really good analogy for this whole thing is, it's the difference between renting a house and buying a house, right? If you rent a house, you generally don't care about what goes, like putting holes in walls and various other things. If things break, you call someone else. If you own a house, you have a lot more responsibilities to it, right? It's the same thing with self-care and talking about work-life balance, right? If you value yourself more and value what goes on in your life, you'll take more time for it because you have a value in it, right? We don't have a value in renting a place. It's just it's someone else's place. I don't care. If you own the house, you care more. So with when it comes to compensation and benefits, if you have an understanding of what do you need to live and be comfortable, find that number. And then you have a better idea of how you can balance that out. Like, And then you go, okay, well, what's important to me? Well, I really enjoy my music and I want to play guitar for a one hour a week and I want to spend X amount of time with my kid and my family, but I also want to play golf. How does this factor into my work and how can I make my work work with my life, work-life balance? But it's asking a lot of questions we don't ask ourselves, right? How much do I need to make a year to be comfortable? What do I, what do I need, not what do I want? And then you can jump from there. Have you ever heard of the hedonic treadmill? Yes. That's another term that is I'm thinking about right now, which is like not only do people you know, you say have a number and then like aim for that, but mm. then but I think something that happens to people I'm trying to see if I can find pull her up a graphic for this, but like Um I think the the general premise is uh I don't know if this is conveying it very well but the general premise of a hedonic treadmill is like as Mm. your level of income increases your desire for things becomes like more expensive (laughs) and then it's like then you reach a new level where like what would make you happy is uh you know it's it's like you're it's basically saying you're never happy if you're on the hedonic treadmill because you just reach a new point where then you want more expensive things and more expensive things and it's like if you make a conscious choice not to get on that hedonic treadmill hedonic like hedonism like Mm -hmm. yeah like if you make a conscious choice to to live a life this is kind of like it makes me think about buddhism too that you don't want to participate in 
in materialism where I want to have the, the, the most expensive things, uh, and, and just live a life of simplicity, perhaps you can avoid that from happening to you where you're like, I only need X amount of money to pay my rent or my mortgage and X amount of money for my, my, my basic needs and maybe a few wants here and there, but like avoiding getting sucked into this uh, lifestyle creep where you just want more and more and more. And then you're never satisfied with what you do have. And then you don't appreciate what you have. Yeah. It's like I was saying, bigger house, more things, get a bigger house, even more things, right? You can't have an empty room. People are like, oh, where's the furniture? Oh, I didn't want to buy more furniture. Oh, well, you should. Okay. It, you get a better job. I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to buy a better car. And now you're stuck with a $4,000 a month car loan. Yeah. And you lose your job. And now I'm stuck with a $4,000 a month car loan where I used to have 300 4000 a month. That's an expensive car. <laughs> Some people like expensive things. <laughs> Tech money, baby. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a cycle. Unless you choose to break that cycle. Yeah. It's... It's hard to get out of, man. I think something that I've done personally to try to avoid that is like, um, just try to like rock things so the wheels fall off, like drive the car till the wheels fall, like use the phone till I like smash the screen or the battery dies. Like, I don't know. I try to get like a lot of use out of the things that I own, but we live in a society now where like they kind of force you to, to buy new things, um, sooner than you want because of planned obsolescence. Like I was just talking to somebody yesterday about this. Like, uh, if you go to Salvation Army or Goodwill and buy a blender from the 1950s, it still works. The tanks. They still work. Yeah. If you buy a blender off of Amazon today, it'll be broken in a year. Yeah. And so it's just the state of capitalism in America or in the world. But that's also talking about the value we place on things okay blenders if you spend a lot of money and three to four hundred bucks you can buy a vitamix yeah. right those things are tanks and yeah. they will last and they have a warranty on them i have one it still hasn't broken i'm still hasn't broken i'm actually very impressed i was like i don't want to spend this much money on something that's not going to last more than a year because all my other blenders have broken in a year but we're, we'll see i don't know how long it's going to last i worked in commercial kitchens for a long time you go into pretty much any commercial kitchen that's what they get. You'll find a Vitamix. Yeah. Right? The tanks. Yeah. But you pay the money for it. Yeah. And it's the same things with other things. Shoes. Right? Oh, I'm just going to go to Nike and pay 30 bucks for a pair of shoes and the soles are gone in eight months. <laughs> or you can buy a pair of Birkenstocks and have them resold and reused and keep building. So it's it's the things we... The, the value we place on them. They say, never go cheap on anything that goes under your body, which is tires, a mattress, and shoes. Those are three things that I've heard. What about underwear? And uh, sure. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Uh, it kill. Have you had cheap underwear? That hasn't everybody? Um, yeah, like maybe Hanes. What's the most like... expensive pair of underwear you've ever purchased? Well, I, I'm... I don't know if I've ever had expensive underwear. Exactly. I don't value my crotch. <laughs> <laughs> you got to value your crotch. Hey, man, I'll tell you, breathability makes a big difference. <laughs> uh, especially if you're a runner. Jeez, man. Uh-huh. Uh, self-care. Spend a little bit more money. Buy a nice pair of underwear. If you wear it every day, well, it's COVID. Who knows these if, days? If, if you take anything <laughs> away from this conversation, um, just remember, buy expensive underwear. That's that's what Nathan has said. Anyway. Exactly. 100%. <laughs>
Uh, Nathan, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for um, having me. I think that uh, a lot of people out there have learned more about what it means to um, have a professional coach help them out. If they're interested in your services, uh, regardless if they live in Seattle or not, you can uh, help them out. Where can they go to reach out to you? Uh, so right now I'm getting my website up, which will be um, www.aroundfromwithin.com. Um if you want to reach out to me, go check out my LinkedIn page. Check out Nathan Ashby and send me a message. Um, I have an online calendar system. I do discover free discovery calls. So it's just a half-hour call. We chat, see if it's a right fit. And every single one I've had so far, people have walked away with something. So it's completely free. Send me a message and let's get something set up. <laughs> All right. There you go. <laughs> Help me. Nathan, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, John. Appreciate Alrighty. it. Cheers, mate.